Hello and welcome to this episode of Battling with Business with me, Chris Kitchener. And me, Gareth Dunham. In this podcast, we're hoping to explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership and all things in between. It's a discussion between a former Royal Marines officer and a product manager from the world of business who compare and contrast their experiences as they attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders and businesses tick. And this week's podcast is sponsored by a very tall glass of ice cold water because I've just been outside cutting up large piles of wood. So um, I'm pretty sure we should be going back to something a bit more alcoholic, but maybe maybe next time around. So, Gareth, how are you doing since we've spoken last? And um, I think it's an increasingly important question. Where are you now? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, Chris. I am back out in Canada. I'm now in Trenton, Ontario. Very glamorous. Well, look, in today's episode, uh, this is one of the topics that I wanted to talk about. And I was thinking of what to call it. And I I came up with what is probably not a brilliant description, creating a route map for your business. And I recognize over now a number of podcasts, we've generally talked at quite a high level about a number of concepts, strategy, vision, vision plans, culture, all these kinds of things. And one of the things I'm really keen to do is that where possible, we return to something that's sort of practical and you can hold on to. So I know a couple of episodes ago, we talked about Scrum and Agile, and we talked about a particular framework called Scrum. And so today I wanted to to turn back to that kind of idea and talk about vision and strategy and planning, but try to bring it out of the abstract into, look, if you were going to do something like this tomorrow, what, what's a way you might think about it? And the, the way out the, or the concept I want to introduce is this concept of the BHAG and the three HAG, which sounds very exciting. Have you ever come across BHAGs and three HAGs before? I haven't, no, but I'm quite excited to find out what they are. I was going to say, so this is something which... Um, I don't think it's a secret. I don't think it's sort of hidden in the world, but it's not something I'd particularly heard of before. And I came across this just over a year ago. And so this concept that I'll I'll start with, so it kind of goes in an order, there's BHAG and then 3HAG, it'll make more sense in a second. I think the concept of the BHAG has been around for many years and it will make sense in a second, but you just won't have heard it called a BHAG. So what is a BHAG? A BHAG stands for big hairy, audacious goal. So it's a big, con- hairy, audacious goal. Big, hairy, audacious goal. I, isn't, okay. that, isn't that fantastic? That's not the kind of acronym you normally expect. So giving it its proper attribution, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jim Collins introduced the concept of big, hairy, audacious goal in a 1994 book called Built to Last. And in simple terms, A BHAG is a clear and compelling goal that serves as a unifying focal point of effort, often creating immense team spirit. I love the phrase immense team spirit. So that's very similar to what we've talked about in terms of the overarching vision when we've mentioned these things in the past. It it absolutely is. And I think there's something about, if, if you were to say to me what's a little bit different or what's the extra layer of value on top, I think it's the audacious bit. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some examples. I think otherwise I end up sort of talking about this in a very abstract way. But just before I do that, same thing. So we said clear, compelling goal, unifying focal point of effort, creating team spirit, all agree. Should be inspiring, long-term. That's sort of a new yeah. thing about long-term. And this is a good bit. Almost unachievable. Almost unachievable. Okay. Yet inspires a team to greatness. So I've given you the context. Now let's actually get to the punchline. Would I be right in thinking this is similar to when people talk about moonshots? Well, funny you should say that because I think there are the moonshot and the visit to the moon was uh, is held up today as an example of a BHAG. So I've got okay. I've got three examples for you. Um, the first one is from Amazon. Every book ever printed in any language, all available in less than 60 seconds. Okay. So that's... I like that, yeah. And 
Exactly. So it, there's something compelling. There's something exciting. There's something almost unachievable about this. In other words, as it was originally described to me, a BHAG, if you know how you're going to do it, it isn't a BHAG. There's almost, yeah. there's a bunch of problems we're going to have to solve. And we don't even know how to solve those today that we're going to get there. Here's the second one. This is Merck back in the 1930s transform the company from a chemical manufacturer into one of the preeminent drug making companies in the world. So we're really, you know, we're known as, as this small thing and we want to revolutionize what we do and become number one in the world at something that we don't do today, which is worldwide. Interesting and much more of a sort of a business focus than sort of moonshotty things, but I thought it was good. The last one, and I, I, I think this is a highly relevant and good example, and it touches on our friend Elon Musk, who we've talked about once or twice, is enable human exploration and settlement of Mars, SpaceX. Yeah. And I, what I like about that is, again, human exploration and settlement to Mars, that is for many people a, a, an amazing and sort of, it, it drives teams to greatness. It's a, it's a thing no one's ever done. And, and there's a perfect example there of there are multiple things that you would have to figure out how to do first before you can get to do that. I haven't heard of BHAG before, but I have obviously heard of Moonshot and, and sort of a lot of conversation over the last couple of years about you know growth in the UK and developing growth. And perhaps we need to start going after Moonshot and you know that will create innovative technologies and and those will have a, a collaborative effect on creating growth and a lot of conversation around that, which has been quite interesting. But there's a concept that comes from Google, which is counter to a lot of the perceived wisdom around incremental growth. So you hear a lot, came out of British cycling, I think, was this idea of you know, incremental gains, those marginal gains to become the best at what you do. And that work in a closed system where the rules are fit you know cycling in a competitive race you can't change the rules so you can't get on a motorbike and win so you have to go through within that closed system those incremental gains but of course business isn't a closed system you can make innovations and break into that you know blue water uh, development where other people are still using old paradigm gold technologies google have this concept called 10x which is the idea that if you want to go into a new market if you want to do something you shouldn't try and be 10 percent better than your competitor you should try and be 10 times better than your competitor and the example that somebody from google once talked me through was when they were looking at pushing adoption of Google technologies in Africa, most tech companies were looking at, well, how do we get smartphones into the hands of people who don't currently have access to the internet? Well, we'll probably need to lay some fiber optic cables and we'll need more internet cafes and we'll need, and Google's approach was, no, don't make it 10% better. Don't incrementally grow market access. Why don't we have satellites in space that beam Wi-Fi? And that led to you know, the whole Silicon Valley race around providing high bandwidth internet from space because then you don't need to build fiber optic cables and you don't need to convince people to open cyber cafes. You literally make it cheap enough that people can just get the internet from, from space. And it seems like that, that would be what you would describe as a BHAG goal, perhaps. Actually, probably, and by the way, we're going to get into the what is a BHAG versus not a BHAG. And as we've done on multiple occasions, there's an element of it all being highly theoretical and arguing the point that that what you have described is a, is a highly valid activity. So that's absolutely fine. But actually, I, I almost want to, not almost, I want to just push back a little bit on that. A BHAG in, in my mind would be, I want every person in Africa to have access to content I provide. Yeah. And the, the, the internet that you talked about is a mechanism by which you get there. That's not the thing you're trying to do. I see what you mean. It's about the articulation of the vision. Yeah. Correct, correct. And actually, I, I, I'll, I'll go a little bit further. Actually, I, just before, I was going to talk about, people have talked about what makes a good BHAG. 
which I think is helpful. But just before, I do want to go back because I think your your story about the the, the UK cycling team, uh, and I am entirely stealing this from Tim Harford, who if if people haven't <laughs> listened or read Tim Harford, they should. But he he talked about um, these incremental enhancements, and the first example he gave of the UK cycling team was just before they started, the coach would dust down the tires. So there was maximum grip. The reason why I bring that up is not for that one, because that's mildly interesting. Actually, it's the other one which excited me, which was electric hot pants. Have you heard the story of the electric hot pants? Yes, I have actually, but our listeners, some of our listeners probably haven't, so do tell it anyway. Well, so today we're talking sort of grand vision, BHAGs, three HAGs, but I, I want to reiterate what you said, which is there is room for incremental improvements. There is room within a closed system to say, how can we do something better? And um, my understanding is it was the coach of the cycling team noticed something kind of interesting. And that was the time for the team to finish the course in the final was often slower than in the semi-final, which of course is counterintuitive. You would think they'd go faster in the final. And as it turns out, the semi-final was typically an hour or half an hour before the final. And what had happened was the team's muscles would cool down and therefore weren't working at peak efficiency. And so what he did was he came up with some electric hot pants, literally, to keep the muscles warm and therefore make sure that when they actually went into the final, the muscles were at optimum temperature. And I I love that as a story, frankly, mostly for the phrase electric hot pants. Anyway, electric to, hot pants. To, to get back it sounds to like the, it sounds like a very good punk band from the 1980s. Yes, I think that has yeah. to be a motif as we go through which business terms or ideas would be good bands. Um, anyway, let, let's go back to what makes a good BHAG because I think that helps shape this a little bit. There's a bunch of questions people talk about asking yourself. Do you find this exciting? And I like this because often we talk about clear and concise goals and outcomes. Are the people that work with me going to get excited about it? Like we are going to go to the moon. That is exciting. That is a mission that people want to get behind. Is it clear, compelling and easy to grasp? And I know we've Actually, I was about to apologize that we talked about these concepts before. Guess what? They resonate. They echo through everything we do. This is a good one. Does the BHAG connect to the core purpose? What is the core purpose of the company? And are we aligned to that? Will it be exciting to a broad base of people in the organization, not just those with executive responsibility? Oh, look, it's not just the people in the boardroom. It's the people who are actually on the ground. And is it undeniably a big, hairy, audacious goal? In other words, it's that thing of, have we just described something that would be really quite pleased if we did in the next three to five years? Or is it literally audacious? And the, the other example is uh, at a time when IBM used to sell mainframes that took the size of, frankly, a large house, let alone uh, a small room, they said, we want to put a computer on everybody's desk. Okay, that is audacious. That's crazy. Every computer costs X million dollars. It's a large house. How are you going to do that? It's got to be audacious. There's a management consultant called John Cotter, who's quite well-renowned for transforming organizations and helping them implement strategies. And he's written many books. And he talked about the need for a call to action. And it sounds to me like his description of a call to action, which is clear to everybody in the organization, get people interested and excited about being part of the change tangible and i suspect this is where perhaps it uh, may be slightly different from vhag is that it's tangible about how you're going to get to that point not necessarily you know it's clear what the route is but it tangibly feasible i suppose but he calls it a call to action but it, it sounds very similar to a, a bhag I, I think it is and 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 your i think what you're touching on is this idea of because at the moment we're talking moonshot in fact there's there's three more things they talk about and i like this next one because this sounds counterintuitive do you believe the organization has a less than 100 percent chance of achieving it and actually and I, I i don't know whether i agree with this this sounds all very too specific 
50 to 70% chance is ideal, is the statement that they make. <sighs> but, the, but the point about it is, literally, we're not just saying, here is a logical extension of what we're doing, and this is just us defining what the destination is. It's something beyond that. It's something yeah. more than that. Will achieving the BHAG require a quantum step in capabilities? And again, I think the, the IBM, and maybe we'll talk about SpaceX in a second, is a brilliant example. You're insane. The idea that we're going to have a computer on every desktop, this thing's the size of a house. Okay, it's a quantum change in what we're doing that revolutionizes things. And finally, in 25 years, would you be able to tell if you'd achieved the BHAG? And I think what we're yeah. trying to do here is just stopping it being, we've sold 100 widgets this year, can we sell 500 widgets? Or even, dare I say, 1,000. No, no, that's, that's not a BHAG. The BHAG is, could our widgets influence everybody on the planet? And so yeah. I, I, kind of, I kind of like that. So the, so the challenge here is, BHAG, brilliant idea of this beacon in the future, this, what is it we dare to hope for that is gonna inspire, excite, and point us in a direction, and we've talked about this before about strategies, be that torch in the dark that says, are we heading in the right direction? The problem is connecting the long-term with the short-term. We, we've talked about going to the moon. Uh, how are we gonna do that? And so the three hag fits in with this and it sort of, it, it sort of perfectly dovetails. So, I believe this was a number of years after. Before you go on to the three hag, because I yes. suspect you're going to go from big, hairy, audacious goals in the long term yes. to smaller stepping stones to getting there. And we're probably going to talk a lot about linking strategy to operations and tactics and, and that kind of stuff. But I want to bring it back into the military field because ultimately that's what this podcast is all about. I want to explore the idea of audaciousness in, yes. within the framework of military operation. So conflict, you know, fighting is, is by its nature a complex endeavor. It's people clashing wills uh, through the use of physical violence, which is a horrendous thing, but it's also a very unpredictable thing. And we talk about in the military the, the components of fighting power which is a very sort of managerial way of saying what gets people to fight for something they believe in. Um, and the three components for fighting power are quite logically the physical component, what is your capability in terms of weapons that you have, maneuver in that you have you know, armoured vehicles that can move fast and they're well defended, and so equipment and, and things. Then you have the conceptual component, which is about your ideas on how you fight and why you fight. So things like doctrine, planning techniques and processes, and a lot of the things we've sort of talked about on this podcast so far would probably fall into that conceptual component. And then finally, the moral component, which is why do people individually risk themselves and sacrifice their well-being to be part of the fight um, and it's the combination of those three things that makes a fighting force better than another and gives them a competitive advantage when you look at something like let's look at you know, the, the situation in, in ukraine at the moment we are just coming out of that winter period the ground is thawing it's very difficult to manoeuvre. The, the situation is such that, tragically, it is a very static, in some places on the line, trench warfare, and neither side seems to be manoeuvring or moving or gaining ground. And, and so both sides are now weighing up what's next. And there is this balance of having to think about capability, and obviously, there's lots of talk in the news about ammunition supplies for artillery and are we going to give them fast jets or not? And we're giving them Western tanks and have the Russians, you know, are, are the sanctions preventing them from building tanks? So there's lots of capability conversation. Then there's a bit of conversation and there's lots of talking heads from ex-military generals on, on the news and 
lots of stuff out on social media about what we think they're going to do in terms of tactics and what their overall strategy and how are they going to use their Viking power. And there's a lot of conversation about the centralised Russian approach versus the mission command approach of the Ukrainians. And obviously on this podcast, we've talked about mission command quite a bit. What isn't talked about quite so much is how you get people to stand up and fight how you get people to put themselves in harm's way, sometimes deliberately sacrifice their own well-being for the greater good of the operation. And that comes down to that moral component. And I think there is a striking resemblance in the word audacious in a BHAG with the idea of having that strategic vision but not only having the vision, but being able to get people to rally around it as a senior commander to get people to say, I would follow that person. I believe though, even though the odds are stacked against us, even though in terms of, you know, the capability, we are the underdogs. Absolutely. I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to win here. It, it's perhaps... I'm, I'm perhaps stretching it a little bit, but it seems to me that there is a resemblance between how you articulate your strategic vision as a commander, which is going to be about your conceptual component and your physical component to the people that are going to have to implement it, which is that moral component. And I think what we would call great leadership and perhaps narrative leadership, the idea of selling the vision, selling the story, is what you're talking about in terms of being audacious. I, I think you're right. And I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, and, and I, I feel a bit, I think it's a dangerous thing to maybe do this, but what would a Ukrainian BHAG be in this sort of the way we think about it? And I think maybe it's something like, we will remain a sovereign nation free from anyone on our land or something like that. Mm. As you say, it's, it's this higher level. What's interesting though, I was, as, as you sort of started talking about the military version of the BHAG, I wondered whether there are, I suspect there are many ways you can sort of interpret and describe what your goal is. I could imagine fight anywhere in the world within half an hour's notice. Be yes. anywhere in the and yeah. or, or project power to any part of the planet, project overwhelming power to any part of the planet within 24 hours. That yeah. that's the kind of thing that like which is like, well, hang on a minute, but we we, we aren't in insert name of place. Well, good. How would we project power there? Well, yeah, what do you mean by power? Well, space lasers, um, hypersonic jets that could get all of a sudden it starts to change the nature of what we mean in this case by warfare. So I, yeah. I, I like it because it's, it's this directional thing and it tries to paint a picture of a world that people would say, this is very, this is transformed things. Well, I, I think there's a really good example. So firstly, I think what you, what you were saying about Ukraine, what President Zelensky is currently saying about there will be no negotiation until the 1991 you know, lines are, are re-established. You know, arguably, the recapturing of Crimea could be described as, as audacious yeah. because you know, it's certainly not 100% certain that, that, that the Ukrainians could do it. But I think in historic terms, there's a really, really clear BHAG for me would be uh, Eisenhower driving the American people in 1941 to recognize that they can be the dominant military power. And if you look at where the US was, in, and I, I don't think people recognize this very much unless you're particularly interested in military history, already a year into the war in Europe, uh, and America is probably... Yeah, they're a middling power at best. I think Portugal had a had a larger military force. Most of their cavalry were still on horseback. And yet in two years, they became the world's largest and most powerful military nation. And that was all driven by Eisenhower's 
vision and leadership and and arguably the the pulling together of a nation by by one man's you know big hairy audacious goal and i i think that you know if you said in 1941 america is going to not only get to become the largest military power but they're going to be by a considerable margin the largest military power and then they'll keep it going for the next 60 70 80 years i everybody would have laughed at you well so i think and and i we should take a break in a second but then i want to come back and talk about the three egg but i agree with you i i go back to this idea of um it requires a quantum step in capabilities and characteristics of the organization if your BHAG is, we're going to do more of what we have done or slightly better or launch some new products, that is not a BHAG. Let's, let's take a little bit of a break, but then when we come back, let's see if we can make the long-term and the short-term meet in the middle and again, see where that goes. Wonderful. I'll see you after the break. Okay, welcome back. So just before the break, we talked a lot about the BHAG. And I, I, I think I, I want to go back and just give you those examples again, because I think they crystallize it really well. In fact, I'm just going to do one. SpaceX enabled human exploration and settlement of Mars. Small, simple, clear statement, amazing in its ambition. And how do we get there? But wouldn't that be astounding if we could do something like that? So BHAG, long-term, big, hairy, audacious goal. People talk in terms of five years. People talk in terms of 10 years. It's a long-term transformational statement. But as we pointed out, and we kind of dipped in and out before the break, you have to connect the short-term, the long-term. Well, how are we going to get there? What are the steps to get there? And this is the bit that I think becomes magical for a business. One thing is, wouldn't it be great? The next thing is, how are we going to get there? And so uh, a lady by the name of Shannon Susco came up with a, a sort of an idea to layer on the top called a three hag. And let's see how good you are at guessing acronyms. Gareth, what is a three hag? Three hag. So it, there's a potential that it means three H's. But I can't for the life of me think that what that could be. Um, but what about, hag? what about hag? Let's have... Well, so, uh, B-hag. Is that a hairy audacious goal? So that the big one's the hairy audacious. Right. Is it, well, it, 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 yeah, it would be a shag if it was a smooth audacious goal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't okay. know. No, that's okay. It's just interesting to know whether these things sort of just make sense of the game. So a three hag is the three-year highly achievable goal. One is, I don't highly know how we're going to make this. Goal. This one's the highly achievable. Okay. Now, all of a sudden... We have to start putting stepping stones in place. We, we have to start identifying, okay, if our mainframe costs $4 million, the first thing to do is figure out how it only costs $2 million. If yeah. it currently is the size of a house, let's get the sucker down to the size of a room before we get it. So three-year highly achievable goal. And so she wrote a book called The Three Hag Way, and she described it as, where the long-term and the short-term meet. And if BHAG is inspirational and almost impossible, the three HAG is the real bits. And the highly achievable bit gives you a definitive target to aim for when you set out of the plan. And what's really okay. nice, and I've, I've, I've participated and done this with an organization, which I found really useful. It's a way of breaking down the problem into three years of goals that get you to, or at least get you on the way. So again, to use the IBM example, go from $4 million to $2 million to $1 million to $100,000 to $1,000. There's sort of that element of how do you move it along? So Why is it three years? That's a really, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess. I think it's because three years is something that's not too short and not too long. And in fact, the way all of these work is that the first year you, you, you is very clearly defined. In fact, we'll go on and talk about that a little bit later on, how we, we started with a, this amazing vision, which wasn't connected to reality. 
you then have three years, which is more detailed. And I'll talk about what mm. sort of goes into this. But on the other hand, still a little bit of wibble, sort of flexibility and ability to, to change. But actually, then you can take it down to quarterly plans and you yeah. can even take it down to weekly plans. And maybe we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. It seems to me that we, we talked about the link between strategy and tactics before. Exactly. And that strategy is, you know, having the vision. It's not a plan. It's a general sense of where you're going. I've used my compass analogy. We've talked about tactics being the application of capability in real time to achieve tasks. I... So it's what we do in operations. What we haven't talked about particularly in the military is we bridge strategy to tactics with what we call operational art and operational art is the understanding of capability and its effects over time and we do campaign planning to so the idea of how do i get to what we're calling you know my bhag my objective the end of the war the winning how do i get there how do I envisage that and how do I work back from that into achievable chunks while recognizing that I'm not designing a Gantt chart because exactly that's very, the very enemy, the enemy has a vote. Yeah. Things well, aren't going to go to plan and lots of things are uncertain, but everybody needs to know that they're contributing to that end goal now. And therefore there has to be this golden thread that says, you know, what you're doing now is not pointless. What you're doing now is part of the wider plan. It's part of that move towards success. Well, and, and I, I, I think you've touched on a couple of points there, which is, and, and nobody ever really does this. Hopefully nobody ever does where you say, I can't plan because things change. And so there's no point in planning. That, that's not a useful answer. Oh, I've come but, across people that do that. Well, I, I suspect so. Luckily, not so many on my side. But the second thing is, you could eat, you could take the equally not useful position of here are the next three years in a Gantt chart, which, which, yes. which yeah. but so I think this is the attempt to blend flexibility and iteration, but with a sense of and this is where we're going. So I've used this analogy far too many times, sort of the Second World War. We are going to go to Berlin, everyone. That is what we are going to do. And the way we do this is in these steps. We're going to invade, yeah. you know, we're going to throw the Germans out of North Africa. We're going to invade all of these activities. But each of them then is adapted over time as you recognize how things are changed. But still, we're going yeah. to Berlin, guys. That's not changing. We're going to defeat the Germans. We're going to defeat the Japanese. This I thought was quite useful as well, because part of the thing I said at the beginning of the podcast was a framework to try and make this more real. And, and I obviously don't be slavish to this, but I think this is useful. BHAG, pithy one-liner, three HAG starts to now build the detail out. And so people talk about a three HAG statement, a statement or sentence that describes our company in three years time. What are we going to be like in three years time? no numbers like describe to me well we've got you know instead of being 200 people there's 10,000 of us we're all around the world in every shop we're whatever it might be Descri describe what it looks like in three years it's almost a smaller version of the BHAG fiscal numbers what do we want our numbers to be in three years time and actually this for, for the work I was doing in the business I was this was critical in fact this very much related to the world of private equity. We need to build the business to this size. And if we have this size business with this revenue, this is the outcome we will get or our shareholders will get. So fiscal year numbers in three years time, it could be revenue, operating costs, profit, cash, whatever it might be. In fact, many times it's all of those things. And then the one I quite like this, this is sort of very American, I think, our widgets how many widgets would we have to sell in order to achieve the fiscal numbers? Each one of these things peels back the onion a bit more and someone in the room says, sorry, did you say we have to sell 10,000 of those? We sold 50 last year. Okay, we better think about what the world would look like for us to sell 10,000 of these things if you want that revenue. Yeah. Three to five key capabilities. I love this one. What is it we 
either don't do today or would need to do differently in order to deliver these goals. And so there's, there's a real sense of, rather than it just being, we're gonna sell lots and build great things, we better build a, an R&D division. We, we better think about um, a group of people who can develop this technology and we don't have that today. It's a whole new uh, capability we have to build. And then the, the piece that flips in with that is, what are the critical organization capabilities um, that position you where to be achieved? And what that meant in our world was, describe what the organization will need to look like in three years to be successful. So what was fantastic was it was, Chris, you're the VP of product. You have this many people working for you today. Describe the organization in three years that would mean you were successful. Now, clearly yeah. the statement is, well, that's foolish. I can't predict. Yeah, I know you can't predict, but have a go. Start thinking about it because a BHAG and then the three HAG is much as about thinking about transformation. And then finally, yeah. Because I know you, I know I can see this look, you want to come in on this. What do we want to be known for? So in three years time, when we meet someone in the street and we say, we work for Acme Inc. What is it Acme Inc. are going to say about this? What are our customers going to say? Oh my, three years ago, I used to buy a widget from you. Now, all of my widgets are your product or we, we, without you, we couldn't rely. So there's some examples and my particular experience was we did most of those not all of those we put a few other things in so don't get too caught up on do we have fiscal numbers and widgets but what you're seeing there is it's describing a world where you're you're refining and refining you're focusing the laser or focusing the light more and more not just on wouldn't it be great if into what must be true across yeah. all areas of our business for this to be true. So three hag, I'd, 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 I'd love to get your sort of take on that and what that means to you. Well, I, I think firstly, we've just done a session on the value of red teaming and wargaming. And where you say, you know, what's the world gonna look like in three years? If you remember, I said that there are three reasons that you do wargaming, one is to stress test plans and ideas and, and, and sort of identify areas where you've perhaps not put enough thought into it uh, and therefore you can go away and you know, reinforce those plans and make them better, come up with contingencies. Um, one is about building confidence in teams, expanding people's horizons. And one is about ideation, coming up with new ideas by exploring what the future might hold. And it's not get gaze into a crystal ball and you know come up with what's the future going to be it's conversations about trends it's conversations about if we do this what will our competitors do what will our suppliers do what will our customers do and it creates those conversations where you're suddenly not predicting what the world looks like in three years using some sort of magic some sort of you know crystal ball vision you're, you're discussing logical trends and the steps that you would have to take to get the future to look the way you want it to look and what challenges and opportunities might present themselves. And I think so we're, we're just reinforcing the, the need to do that wargaming and red team. Exactly. This, 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 none of this should be, in a sense, new. It's a way of putting it all together and describing it. And, and you said something there which I thought was interesting and i i we've touched on this in the past which is i think i grandly said there are many companies today that claim to have some genius strategy that some clever people had built and it turns out really it was an emergent strategy they observed yeah. what had happened what what i think is different about this is this is about shaping the future this is not about saying well i'm going to be very thoughtful and I'm going to see what happens and I'm going to adapt to it. And from there I'll get success. This is about saying, I am going to, I am going to describe a thing I am going to drive towards. And of course I will adapt, but I'm going to get there. So today, well, actually before Elon Musk, there weren't, there wasn't anyone saying I am going to go to Mars and colonize it. That just wasn't, they, they either A, it wasn't something that they thought was interesting or exciting, or B, they would say there is no technology that would enable us to do that today, come back in 20 years. 
This is about the BHAG and then the three HAG is about shaping and driving the future. But I want to talk about how you can then continue to take it even more granular. And that idea of shaping and forming, you start with a BHAG and actually you can end up with what is my team doing next week? And I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that degree of granularity. I think there are challenges and risks, but literally the idea that you can say, this is the plan and we're going to execute on it and we'll adapt. But this isn't just an, this isn't just um, aspiration. We are going to plan to achieve it. I kind of like that. Anyway, let's go back. British military. I don't know. I know that people talk about doctrine and I think there was even a document that was posted recently about British military doctrine or might have been NATO doctrine. Is that the, is is that an equivalent? Is there an equivalent or is it sort of? I, what do you think? So I don't you've got think... A, you've got a slightly pained look on your face. Yeah, I don't think there's an overarching quite... BHAG. I think the because what of what the military is there are lots of vision statements there are lots of strategic outcomes and there are lots of strategic missions uh, so there is a national security strategy that sort of lays out what british defense contribution to our national security is and what we need to be able to do uh, and that gets reviewed in the, in the national strategic security review every five or five or so years but there isn't overarching and audacious goal having said that i think within defense there are definitely bits of defense where there are these audacious goals i'm trying to think of a very good example that but, uh, I mean, I, would would understand you, but i think a really good one though i and and the question is whether or not it was articulated i think your your point about the u.s armed forces in the second world war yeah. i i think that is an example of an audacious goal. If in 19, well, depending on where you want to go in your history, let's say 1938, if you said to the United States Senate that in 10 years, the United States would be the single most powerful military force in the world, able to project power and defeat its enemies with technologies that had not been dreamt of, um, with un un unprecedented power, they, I think that probably is a reasonably good definition of a BHAG. Yeah. Maybe a different way of asking this. And I mean, and I, I don't know whether I was sort of interpreting this from what you said, but it almost feels like the British military is busy fighting the wars it's got to fight in the next war. And so, not being funny, Chris, the idea that someone's going to come up with a BHAG, that sounds like someone who's got consultants in would do. Is that, do you think there's an element of truth in there that is? I think so. And I think there's a, a risk with something like national security, where the range of threats is so wide that you can't focus on a particular, you know, we're going to colonize Mars or we're going to get to the moon and back. And you've got to remember that was a moonshot for, you know, the national aeronautical space agency mm. um that was a moonshot for nasa that enabled a whole load of fallout technologies that help u.s business innovate it helped u.s defense with a whole load of capabilities but it wasn't a department of defense bhag it was a, a nasa bhag yeah. and i think well, in the same way presidential that, presidential in fact well absolutely yeah absolutely it was kennedy's wasn't it in the same way that DARPA, so the Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, and ARPA before that, that is effectively the, the inventor of the internet, is, is probably the organisation that has BHAGs for the US Department of Defence. But the Department of Defence doesn't have them on its own. I, I because... see, yeah, I think, I, I, and again, this is this idea of sort of breaking it down to more areas, but I, I, I'm going to say something very, very dangerous, and I suspect many serving, anyone serving who listens to this will shout and wave their fist at the screen. Actually, is the military missing a trick? Because one might, uh, and by the way, the reason why I think people might shake the fist is 
this sounds like a bunch of sort of fluffy consultancy nonsense that ignores the fact people are getting shot at in various places. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge that by saying the risk is we're always chasing our tail. We're always, you know, trying to figure out what the next war is. And again, this will be unpopular. It's all about cyber. It's all about cyber. It's all, oh God, there's lots of tanks and lots of people on the ground and they're fighting in trenches. Yeah. Cyber is important, but it turns out people on the ground. And so absolutely. And I think at one level, point, the military think... is eternally moving back. It's, it's, it's close yeah. quarter. It's insurgency. It's tanks on full the full the gap. Is there an element of there will always be a need to support that? But is this a statement that says this is transformative in the same way that notionally the, the development of the new nuclear weapon was transformative. We are going to develop something so awesome and powerful that countries will not fight because of the risk of this. That's so, so a step change. Yeah, you've, you've got to see these things within the wider context. So the Manhattan Project was a, was a BHAG, it was a big aerial data goal, arguably. And yeah, you could argue that it was a must as well. And it was a race and, and there's, there's all of that history to it. But it wasn't a BHAG for the US Army. It wasn't a BHAG even for the Department of Defense. It was a BHAG for a very subset. Interesting. Because, mm. because if it hadn't worked, or if the Germans had got there first, we still needed a plan B. We still needed to be able to respond. So I think there's, there's a point where you are having to, as you say, not put all your eggs in one basket and go, right, the, the future of war is cyber, and then suddenly find that you know, you've exposed another flank because because that is the nature of conflict, is you are constantly trying to put your strengths against your adversary's weaknesses. So if they are going at 110% towards a particular goal, then all you do is adapt your strategy to pitch your strengths against where they're not going. So there's this constant balance. And the, the late historian Michael Howard on said, you know, the, the art of military sort of future future gazing or, or prediction is not to be so accurate that you know what the next war's gonna be, but to be close enough that when it comes, you're not going in the wrong direction. Well so there's it, this idea of constantly yeah. balancing lots and lots of ideas and then i think once you get into an operation so we've referenced ukraine a couple of times already you know ukraine doesn't now have that difficulty of deciding what the war is going to look Agreed. like it knows Agreed. what the war is and now it can probably set itself a big hairy audacious goal which is we're going to recapture all of our territory and at the end of it be a stable democratic country that that leans toward the West, which yeah, lots of people would argue is a big audacious, yeah, um, yeah. a big hairy audacious goal. I don't think they would have been in a position to to state that, you know, before the Russian invasion, and and they would have seen there would have been you know the potential for hybrid threats, the potential for you know the Russians just to but lead I... them out econ economically. There would have been lots of things where actually setting a single goal is, is going to be particularly difficult. I, I, by the way, um, people listening into this, hearing us going, look, that they're, they're trying to poke the balloon and every time they poke it, it comes out a different area. You're absolutely right. As always, as everything we're talking about, you can't be dogmatic. Hey, British military, mm -hmm. stop doing everything and do a BHAG and your problems will be solved. But ridiculous. So there are big BHAGs and there are small BHAGs and there's a slight... This always comes down to smart people using their best intention to to use these tools and these ideas in the best yes. way. I yeah. still, I still think, and I'm, I still wonder whether there's a concept out there which is about militaries transforming themselves to be something that is beyond where they are today. And don't get me wrong, everything you've said, I agree. You know, Ukraine. Be hag, don't be silly. But it it's today militaries can't be anywhere in the world in in thirty minutes. They can't apply unlimited power. 
what that does is it says this will put us ahead of our competitors in a way that the, the tactical stuff becomes less important because they're powerless. I don't know. I'm I'm right now there are cleverer people who are in a much better place. Um, yeah. we're, we're coming towards the end, and I wanted just to finish with we we, we sort of started at the BHAG. We said this is the big goal, the big hairy audacious goal. We then talked about three hag about saying, okay, how do we break that down into sort of years and how do we start planning? Actually, the last piece, which is, is worth maybe just more of a passing reference is when we were doing this, you then went even more granular. So what you'd actually say is, what is our quarterly plan? And so you could actually break it down into, in order to achieve year one highly achievable goal, what do we do this quarter? Because everyone talks about quarterly planning and what are we working on right now? This is a way of having a direct strand from the BHAG, the three HAG to the quarterly. And then what we actually did, not successfully, but I think it was because we weren't able, well, for a couple of reasons, you then go from quarterly plans to a weekly plan. So if in this quarter, we are going to develop a piece of technology that does X, actually for the next four weeks for the next 12 this is what the plan could look like and this allows scope now personally i get a bit nervous when it gets to weekly plans because now it feels a bit like this thing's on rails we you know what yes. we're predicting yeah. three years ahead let's make it five years ahead and by the way bernie you're not allowed to take a holiday on four year four and a half because you'll be i think that's a bit silly likewise i think the other risk you can do it. And I know there are businesses that do do this and are highly successful. Um, the, the risk is um, you're now busy managing the plan rather than the result of the plan and the outcome of the plan. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I think there's a, there's a few things to unpack there, which is we, we sort of maybe got distracted about, you know, is there an overarching BHAG for, for the military? And I'm sure people will have their opinions on that or not. But I think, as you said, it's a really useful tool for linking, for, for doing two things. One, linking long-term vision to current activity. And we've talked about before the idea of the operational art to implement the, the plan, but be adaptive to change as you go. And the second thing is, is about motivating people to feel like they are part of the change rather than the change has been implemented on them your point there about managing the management of the plan and it becomes all about setting goals and testing and measuring and and actually you fail to actually get on and do stuff is, is a real risk but i think there's a definite relationship between as you're breaking that big hairy audacious goal the we're gonna get to the moon and back and, and i've just looked up the figures you know the moon is three hundred eighty-four thousand kilometers away and at the time the furthest away we got a satellite into space was about 600 kilometers so we're talking about you know we're talking about orders of magnitude yep. of complexity and technology change problems they hadn't even imagined they needed to solve yeah absolutely and so as you're breaking that down i think it's really important to go back to this idea of empowerment of teams to then take on those chunks and further break those down and pass those down to their subordinate teams and so you're back to this idea of mission command you're back to this idea of, I will tell you what I want the end result to look like, but I'm not going to tell you how I want you to do it because I don't know what you're going to come up against. I don't know what the intricacies of this problem are going to be. I don't know what problems are embedded within this challenge because we haven't got there yet. So trying to roadmap it out is pointless what we're going to do is make sure that everybody's capacity to work on the project is all aligned towards the end goal. And there are a set of flags that point you in the direction of the ultimate goal. And the flags can move. Yes. You can move them around. Absolutely, yeah. If it, and, and I, I, 
was listening back to something we said a, a few weeks ago about airsofting and people milling around. This is a terrible generalization. How many businesses have you worked with or met where it kind of feels like people are milling around? What are we doing yes. here? Yeah. We should sell more widgets. Apparently, we've got to sell 20% yeah. more widgets this year. Okay, more widgets. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's not going to drive to success. And, and I've also been in, in businesses where, you know, this, this idea that everybody understands the strategic vision, and we've said how important that is. And I've been in businesses where, where everybody does understand the strategic vision, but what they don't understand is what they're doing currently, yeah. how that contributes to it. So, you know, you can go around and the, and the CEO can say, you know, what is it we're here for? And they say, oh, it's to, you know, get every book that's ever been published online in 60 seconds, you know, available in 60 seconds. But what are you doing to be part of that? I, How are you helping? Oh, I have no idea because I, you know, I fix light bulbs or, you know, I answer phone calls and I'm not really part of that. I just do this. And and that's where I think the three hag bit, the idea of, and I, I don't think, you know, it's interesting that it's three years. I don't think it has to be. I no, think it would be I think relative I, to the project. It's an arbitrary number which says far enough out that you can project where you want to go, but yeah. not too far. And and more importantly, the th for me at least, it's the three years in itself is less important. It's the three one-year yes. plans. Yeah. It, it's starting to break it down into manageable chunks. And and the, there's the it's the cliched example, but I'm going to use it. It's the the janitors in the labs at NASA, you know, they don't they don't know how they are contributing to getting to the moon. They know how they're contributing to keeping the lab so clean that the scientists' results are going to be better when they're looking at developing better silicon chips. So you can tangibly say, how does what you do today help get to the moon? Oh, well, if I don't clean to a very high standard, there's going to be dust in the atmosphere, which is going to interfere with the results of these experiments, which means in six months, we're not going to have produced better silicon chips. And I've been told that if we don't have these silicon chips, we won't have the maths to be able to do the, you know, I don't know, return trajectories or whatever it is. So those three hag kind of flags in the, in the sand are not, here's the roadmap. It's a, it's a calling. It's, you know, that call to action I talked about with John Cotter, it's the calling for individual individuals within a small sub-team to achieve their goals, which are linked to the overarching vision. And so I think we've kind of looped back around. We, we really have. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this was for me, it passes the sniff test. If, if you describe it really quickly, describe where you want to go, break it down into three-year chunks, break it down into smaller chunks, give someone something they can be passionate about. I think it, it, it's passed that sniff test pretty well. Well, look, we've been talking for a while now. Just before we go, I think um, go away and Google three hag and hag. There's loads and loads of content on the web where you can turn this into something really simple and really easy for your business. Again, it's just another one of these kind of things you could spend half an hour with a piece of paper or a Word document and you can get it for yourself. You can work with your teams. It's a highly practical, easy thing to implement. The second thing you mentioned, one of the BHAGs we talked about was going to the moon and you talked about empowerment. I don't know uh, whether we should be recommending other podcasts. I don't think it really matters because this is ours. Um, if listeners haven't listened to a BBC podcast called 13 Minutes to the Moon, I highly recommend you do it, even at the risk that you will stop listening to us because you won't be able to stop yourself. Well, and, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't no, go that well, far. But, but, <laughs> but I think it, the reason why I mentioned it was because you talked about empowerment. One of the things, it's, it's an amazing podcast at the very heart of leadership. And it talks about the fact that people who went to the moon were 21. These were kids who were just out of university and they were the ones that, and they were empowered to make decisions we would blanch at today. Go yeah. listen to it. So there you go. Last thing from our podcast today, go listen to another podcast, but please do come back. Oh, um, well, look, thanks, Chris. You've, you've introduced a, uh, another concept or a couple of concepts that I've not heard of. I think they, they gel very well with the overall themes that we've been talking about. 
Um, I'm certainly going to go away and, and do a little bit more research on these. Uh, and it's been, yeah, just another thoroughly enjoyable session smashing around some ideas. So Excellent. thanks very much. Well, look, everyone, we, as you know, we're on uh, Twitter um, at Battling with Biz. We would love to hear from you. You know, we, we know we're building up uh, a listenership out there. We, we look perhaps far too many times at the number of people have downloaded and listening, but it's growing on a weekly basis. But please do share it with your friends. If this is interesting, please do let them know. We'd love to have more and more. And as I say, we'd love to hear more from you, whether it's at uh, on Twitter, at Battling With Biz. But we also, for those people who are not doing the Twitter thing, we also have an email address, which is battlingwithbusiness, and that's business spelt like business, at gmail.com. Please do let us know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, ideas you'd like us to kick around, or frankly, if you disagree with us. But for now, thank you very much, Gareth, and we'll see you next time. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Goodbye from me.